Today we're uh, going to do something a little slightly different. Uh, we've been going through the letter uh, to the Galatians, but for a couple of reasons. One is technical, and the others I think need. I'm going to do a one message series, and then we'll go back next week to Galatians. In life, there seems to be uh, two kinds of things happen oftentimes. There are options. You can choose one versus the other. And sometimes by having options, it makes life a little easier to live. So for instance, if you're not real thrilled about your job, but you have an option to get another one or somebody's offered you another job, it makes the job you're doing a little more tolerable because you're not stuck in that situation. Then there are things in life where you don't have much, if any, control. Health. You may do certain things to have a better health than others, but even if you do all the right things, doesn't necessarily mean that you will always be healthy. And as I tell people, only two people in recorded history have never died, and they're not with us. And so there are certain things that we have no control over, but we still want certain things to happen, and we use that word of hope. And the dictionary definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. And so when you have difficulties or you're hoping for maybe some positive thing to happen, we have this hope. Um, I remember as a, as a child, uh, for Christmas, I wanted a slot car, tracking car, and uh, I was hoping to get it. And my brother, who was older than being by a considerable number of years, uh, put a gift under the tree that was about the size of a slot car track and cars, and I was excited, but having not seen the present, you know, you're still not sure. And so when Christmas came and I opened that package, it was in fact a race car set, but it was one of those things where you wind up and put, and it goes around. And my mother always taught me to be thankful for what you get. And so I know I tried, and I probably wasn't successful, of looking disappointed. So I tried not to look disappointed. And with everything within a seven-year-old to say thank you for the gift I didn't want and kind of dash my hopes of getting the gift that I really wanted, he then smiled and brought out the real present. So at that time, there was something I was hoping for, and in essence, someone I was hoping in to get it to me. And that's kind of what we do when things happen, circumstances. And I know a number of people in our congregation are facing very serious health issues. Others are facing opposition. And, and you know, let's face it, life isn't always kind and always isn't smooth. And there's an oftentimes that we have this hope, but we put our hope in the wrong thing. And so, for instance, we'll say, I hope you get well. I hope it all turns out. 
So what we're hoping for is that the circumstances would change. And that's the problem in hoping for those things is either we place our hope in circumstances or we place our hope in others. And let's face it, we're all human. We all fail. And so today I want to talk about my hope. And therefore I hope your hope. And so I'm going to look at a few passages of Scripture. And the first isn't found in Psalms chapter 39. The, the primary uh, words come from verses 4 through 7. The, the writer of the psalm is basically considering life and how he has tried to not say things and even not do good because he was just trying to just keep going. And he found, as it says in verse 2, I, I refrain even from good, and my sorrow grew worse. My heart was hot within me while I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. And he says this, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, you have made my days as pan and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. And it says, Selah, which means pause and think about it. And so there comes a time as we grow that we understand that life is not permanent. And you will hear people when people die of, quote-unquote, a ripe old age, and I'll just pick 90. They'll say, well, he or she lived to be 90. That's pretty good. And I'm, my response is, not really. 90 years, when you consider the, the history of, of this planet, just a breath. But it's how we try to, to make sense of and mitigate the pain. And so the, the writer here understands the life isn't permanent. Now, my father died when I was five. So when I've always been familiar with life is not permanent, but it's always other people's lives are not permanent, you're going to live forever. And consequently, what we do is we take risks with our body and whatever uh, because we don't think we're going to, anything will happen to us. I remember when I first had that mortality thought. And it wasn't even on this continent. I was with my son on a trip to China. And we took an excursion of the Great Wall. Now, when I have all the pictures I've seen of the Great Wall, it's like this large, massive highway. It's, you know, smooth and you just walk on it. Well, not so outside of Beijing where we went. It had all kinds of these steps, and they weren't even and whatever. And so we went walking, and I went past one turret, and then past another turret, and then to a third turret. And my son wanted to keep going. And I was already a little warm from the, the travel. And I then had this thought, you know, if I have a heart attack here, no one will come get me in time, and I can't go back. So maybe I shouldn't go any farther. So I told my son he could go. I started heading back. That was unlike me up until that point. 
It was like, keep going, do these things. And, and all of a sudden you start realizing that your life isn't permanent. And this writer here comes to the same conclusion. Verse 6, surely every man walks about as a phantom. Surely they make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, for what do I wait? And then here is the amazing statement. My hope is in you. Notice he doesn't say, my hope is that I live longer. My hope isn't that I have a healthy life. My hope isn't that I amass more riches. But my hope is in God. Because God is someone you can place your hope and trust in because he never fails. He is worthy to have our hope placed in him. And so rather than hoping for a change in circumstance, we should, as this writer of the Psalms say, we should hope not in change of circumstances, but in God. Then the writer of Psalms at 71 says this, in you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. You have given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the grasp of the wrongdoer and the ruthless man. Again, the, in this psalm, the writer understands that there are those who are opposed to you. They may be evildoers, they may be in opposite, but the life is not always everybody thinks you're wonderful. And the writer says, God, you're my defense, you're my, I'm going to take refuge in you. But notice, he says something in this psalm even more amazing to me. The first psalm that we looked at said, my hope is in God. Now notice what this says. For you are my hope. I not only hope in you, but you're my hope. Whatever may come, whatever the circumstances, it's not the circumstance. I hope you're my hope. I have no hope outside of you. Now, when we come to this conclusion, things are different. Because circumstances can turn out not the way we want. We may hope for a change of circumstances. But God is our hope, which means it doesn't mean matter what the circumstances are, God's still there. Now, I want to go through the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 6. Starting with verse 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is at an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise. Notice, he made a promise to Abraham. 
and he kept it. But even more so, he wants to show to you and me, the heirs of the promise, who he is. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have taken refuge, would have been strong, I'm sorry, we, the God could lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. God, even more so to you and I, as much as to Abraham, wanted to show he can be trusted. And he made promises. And verse 19 says, to take hold of the hope set before us, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner, forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. What the writer of the Hebrews is saying is that God has made a promise. God is going to keep that promise. And that promise is unchangeable. God can't lie. Therefore, we have this hope, and this hope should be steadfast. It's not one that we, I, I hope it's going to happen. I, well, it might happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Well, no, no, I don't know. And we go back and forth. And he's saying, the fact that God has given us this promise, we can be steadfast in that hope. So, it's kind of like, again, using that analogy of opening that Christmas present. My brother was not God. I couldn't trust him, though I hoped for circumstances. God has made a promise. That promise is that we have eternal life. It simply doesn't matter the circumstance. He has promised us that his love will never forsake us. That nothing can separate us from that love. Nothing that we can do, nothing that we are, not our circumstances, nothing can separate us. God has made those promises and he is making those promises and wants us to be as assured of those as he did when he gave them to Abraham. And even though Abraham had to wait a little bit, and sometimes we may have to wait a little bit, our hope should be steadfast and an anchor to our soul. Well, what does an anchor do? An anchor makes sure that you are set, that the winds don't move you and crash you into the rocks. It keeps you grounded. And our hope should ground us in the fact of who God is. Then Peter, in his letter, says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, 
who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now I want you to take a look at this, that he has prepared for us and that we have a living hope. It's not one that I hope someday far, far away. It's today my hope is steadfast. It is a living hope. And that living hope tells me that I never die. It is a living hope to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, which means it doesn't matter when we get there. It's going to be there, imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. When we take a trip, oftentimes, we make reservations at a hotel. Now, I tend to, because my life is usually planned out, I like to just drive, and then whenever I'm tired, then stop and get a hotel. Not so my wife. She used to always say, well, the kids, and we need to make sure. Well, but she still likes to have. So even while we're driving, she'll make a reservation at the next hotel because she wants to make sure we have some place to stay. So we get reservations. And sometimes you have to place a credit card to hold the reservation, and they tell you that if you don't cancel it within 24 hours or whatever, they're going to charge your credit card anyway. We have a reservation in heaven, guaranteed, but your credit card is not needed because Jesus already paid for it. It's reserved, permanent, undefiled. Who are protected by the power of God. How can we have not hope in God? And that God be our hope because He protects us. He provides for us. He has made certain through His promises and through the fact that He cannot lie that what He has promised us will happen. He never promises us life will be worry-free or circumstance difficulty-free. But what He says is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And because of that, Peter will tell us to do something with that hope that is in us. And we find that in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Who is there to harm you if proved zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. So here's the situation. When you are facing difficulty, whether that's through opposition, through others who hate you, or illness or sickness, sanctify, make Christ separate and holy in your life, in your heart. Always, not sometimes, not most of the time, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. You mean so many times we use this scripture as a fact of about salvation. And yes, it is about the defense of the gospel. But at the same token, why is it that you have hope? 
What is in your life? And what we're there to do is make a defense of why we have hope. And the defense is pretty simple. God said so. God made promises that if we believe Him, that we will never perish. That He will never leave us nor forsake us. There are so many promises that He has made in this life and the one that we will experience reserved in heaven. We should be able to communicate to others why we have this hope. And yet, with gentleness and reverence. It's not a matter of saying, well, you ought to believe because it's, this is what I have found in my life that God has done for me. This is what God's word says. Because God said it. It's true. As I've shared with you, you'll hear people say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I don't like that. It's God said it, that settles it, I believe it. Because God can be trusted and I place my hope in Him and He is my hope. And so, to reiterate what I said before, when you're facing difficulties, Don't place your hope in the change of the circumstance. Keep your hope fixed on in Him. And He will care for you.